Welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It reads, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of faith with clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves, and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. As we jump in here to 1 Timothy chapter 3, you might be tempted to ask, why is it important for us to be studying this? Most of our listeners are probably not looking to be deacons or elders or overseers, and they might have a question as to why it's valuable for us to focus in on a chapter like this. What is it that we can gain from studying this? You might be tempted to say the same things if you're reading through the book of Leviticus. As you read through that book, there are many things that are in there that are specifically tasked for the priests and how they're supposed to be doing things and what the order of services look like and how sacrifices are to be done and many different things like that. I would submit to you that the book of Leviticus has great value in teaching us the design and the order of God, as well as the sinfulness of man and how we need to be atoning for that. And here in this passage, I would say that there's great significance to us digging into what these qualifications are for deacons and elders and overseers in that. Because as we look at them, we'll see that it's not so significant that they are being asked to do what other believers are not asked to do as well. When you look at the qualifications of the overseers or the elders that are there in the first section, almost all of the things that are listed are also asked of Christians in general. As you walk through that, Christians should be above reproach. They should be the husband of one wife if they're married. They should be sober-minded. They should be self-controlled. They should be respectable. They should be hospitable. They should not be a drunkard. They should not be violent. They should not be quarrelsome. They should not be lovers of money. They should manage their household well. They should seek to structure their home in a way that they can nurture their children and raise them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. They should be doing these types of things. When you look back to the list, there was only really one thing that I skipped over at the beginning. 
and that was that they should be able to teach. This is the one distinct quality that it's different for an elder or an overseer from what you might say is true of the rest of believers. Now, certainly, as you look down in verse 6, it does say they also must not be a recent convert, which really just points to a season of testing being necessary to place this person in a position of leadership. But going back to that, the one thing is their ability to teach that would set them apart from what the rest of believers are called to do. And so it's important for us to understand that because it's not that God is saying that these people are a super Christian or that they're so far above everyone else that they're an unattainable level for most people to aspire to. It's not the case. These individuals are to be Christians who are able to teach other Christians what's going on. They must have a calling for that. They must seek to aspire to lead God's people in that way. As you look down at the deacons, the people who are going to be serving, the things that are listed there are also important for believers to be doing as well. Things like not being double-minded, things like not being addicted to too much wine, not being greedy, not being these types of things that would make them more aligned with the world than they would be aligned with God. Likewise, it speaks there about their wives and the relationships that they have there and how that works. And it's important for us to understand that. These are both valuable opportunities for individuals to aspire to serve God's people with what he's given to them. And so it's important for us to reflect on those things because there are some people who are listening to this podcast that one day might aspire to one of these positions. And that's important for us to understand that that aspiration is not saying, hey, I've gone to this super spiritual level, nor do the elders or deacons or pastors that are here at our church feel like we're so much superior to everyone else. But in fact, we understand our own sinfulness and the struggles that we have with these types of things that are listed. Self-control, being sober-minded, being respectable, being hospitable. These are not always things that come easy to an individual. But by the grace of God and the cultivating of these disciplines in our life, we're able to gain victories in those things as his spirit is empowering us to fight our sin and sinful tendencies and giving us desires to grow daily in him. And so we reflect on that today, and we reflect on the fact that though this chapter is specific to what Paul is charging Timothy to do in his churches, we're able to gain valuable insight on the importance for all of us in God's people, all of us that are a part of the body of the church, to be pursuing this type of a relationship with him, to have these types of qualities present in our life, not only for us and for our sake, for the sake of the church, but also for the sake of the watching world. Because when we unite ourselves to fellow believers, we represent all Christians to those that we come into contact with. We're part of the body of Christ, and how we act around those around us often impacts their perception of what it means to be a Christian. One of the greatest reasons that people say that they don't desire to be a Christian is because of the hypocrisy of Christians. So if you look at this situation, and let's say that all of our leaders were able to display these types of attributes or characteristics in their life, but all of the other followers of Christ did not possess these. That would be equally 
damaging to the cause of Christ because these individuals would not be able to lead or develop these other individuals into having those types of characteristics. So it's important that we understand that all believers are asked to do and to live in the same way that the majority of these attributes and characteristics are listed here in this chapter. So may we aspire to do those types of things, to be those types of people because of the grace of God in our life, because of the love that he has given to us and our response to that, so that we're found faithful to representing him well for the watching world around us. As far as a question from this passage, I've often had people ask, can women be deacons or deaconesses? I believe that if we look into verse 11, we see that the ESV translation is probably not my preference for this passage. It reads, their wives likewise, assuming that we're talking about the wives of the deacons there and giving qualifications for them. But first, these individuals may not be married. It is possible to be a deacon and to not be married. Also, as we look into the word in the original language that is here, it's a word that can generically refer to women in general, not necessitating that they be the wives of the people mentioned previously. The ESV does give this as a footnote that you can see down at the bottom of your pages as well in most of your Bibles. But I think that that reading is a stronger reading and is more in line with what is looked at here, and I think further develops the thought of what we were saying previously about the fact that the individuals that we're speaking to here have requirements that are for these positions of leadership that are not truly distinct from what all Christians are asked to do. Men, as well as women, should aspire to display these characteristics in their life, and women should aspire to be those who are serving the church of God, just as the deacons and deaconesses are. And so as we reflect on that in its totality, hopefully that gives us an encouragement about the importance of our pursuing the Lord and the understanding that there are places for women in the service of the church. There are many valuable opportunities for them to be serving and coming alongside the ministries of the church that allow them to meet the specific needs of the body of Christ and do so in a God-honoring way. And so as you reflect on that today, as you look into this passage and come up with maybe a question of your own that you have, hopefully you search for the answer to that question. You reflect on the way in which you can interact with others who are doing the same thing. And so build up the body of Christ. As you do that today, know you are loved.